0: Welcome to our Wednesday night teaching podcast, brought to you by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, please visit yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. And now, this week's teaching. We're going to be in Psalm 57. I'm coming to another one, what's which, which really a very typical one of, of David's psalms, where he uh, kind of has his, his problem, and then he gives his prayer, and then he praises God for how God responded to the situation. Uh, but this is one, uh, you can see in the, the kind of prefix to it, the heading, if you will, that this is when he was hiding from Saul in the cave. And that was one of the times that Saul was chasing him. Saul's trying to kill him. He's hiding in the cave. And you can read about this in 1 Samuel 24. He's, he and his men are already in the cave pretty deep, And Saul goes into the cave to relieve himself. And while Saul is taking care of business, David sneaks up and grabs a corner of his robe and cuts it off. And then after they're out, David goes out and kind of waves it up and says, hey, look, God delivered you into my hand and I could have killed you, but I didn't. So take that as a sign that I'm not against you. And he's still trying to make peace with the king, refuses to do anything against Saul, um, but this is, Saul was trying to kill him. You know, if Saul had the opportunity, he would have killed David. But this is very typical what we see here. So let's take a look at Psalm 57. He says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make a melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So as David is is dealing with this, we're going to look at it through three three different things here. First of all, prayer matters. Um, Prayer absolutely matters. One of the reasons why we do what we do here on Wednesday nights, because prayer matters. Prayer actually makes a difference. David called on God for mercy in his time of need. He starts it right off the bat, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. He comes to God begging and pleading for God's mercy uh, in this, but yet at the same time, he's praying in confidence, not... uh, There's a sense of desperation, but there's not a hopelessness in David. There's an incredible confidence in God, and his confidence really shines through on full display. I mean, if you look at this thing, he he says, In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. He's already anticipating that while I'm taking refuge in God, this thing is going to blow over. I'm going to get through it. He says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Notice the present tense. God does this. God fulfills his purpose. And then there's also the future sense he will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. David had absolute confidence that God was going to do something to save him and rescue him in the midst of this situation. And I think for us, We need to have that confidence that God loves us and that God is for us. You know, the reality of God's love for you is what will see you through anything. The fact of God's goodness, it's what enables us to trust God that he will do something. You know, if we didn't believe that God was for us and we didn't believe that God was good, we would have no good reason to pray. But the fact that he loves you and is for you, that confidence helps us and encourages us to reach out to God in prayer. So whenever you're, you're in the midst of something and you start reflecting on the things God has done and how you know that God is good and you know that nothing is too difficult for God, that just makes you uh, long to say, God, help me, I need you. But it really does. It, it builds your confidence, helps you reach out and, and really just long for God to meet you in your need. But prayer can't be the only thing that we do. Proximity also matters. And by proximity, you know, just mean your closeness to God. In I would say even in ways other than prayer. David was close enough, he says, to be in God's shadow. He says, in the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. You have to be, we talked about this some with the shadow of death in Matthew's gospel, talking about those living in death. Well, the opposite is is also true. To be in the shadow of God's wings, you have to be close enough to God to be in his shadow. You know, shadows don't reach out forever. They're usually relatively close other than, you know, uh, random parts of the beginning and end of the day when the shadows kind of lengthen a little bit. But still, to be in God's shadow, you have to be right up next to him. And and for David, he... His proximity to God, spiritually speaking, enabled him to even lie down in the midst of his enemies. I mean, if you look at that again, he said, my soul is in the midst of lions, I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. And it's easy to just kind of get caught up in his very vivid descriptive language of how ferocious and fierce his enemies were, but then you miss the simple little thing that he says, I lie down in the midst of that. David has talked about that before. He says, in, in, you know, I'll lie down and sleep and awake again because the Lord sustains me. It's amazing how much David points out sleep, rest in the presence of God. When you're close to God, you can be at rest, and prayer itself cannot be the only means of being close to God. It's an absolutely necessary means, but it can't be the only one. If all we do is pray and then we don't do anything, I would say that that very well could be a sign of laziness, of negligence, or ignorance. You know, maybe we don't know that we need to do something else. Maybe we don't care. Maybe we just don't feel like it. But David didn't just pray. Okay, when you look at the story and what happened in it, David prayed, but he also restrained himself. Because David had opportunity to kill Saul. And he could have. And everybody around, including us, we would look back on that and say, look, David prayed and God gave his enemy right into his hand. Praise God. And we would have rejoiced in it. But David Said, and he even told Saul, he said, the Lord delivered you into my hand, but I, w- I wasn't going to strike you. And so we see that David prayed, but David also restrained himself from acting in self-defense uh, or any other way. And I think we have to do what we can do, to do what we're able to do, whether it's, um, I don't want to say actively or passively, because our waiting for God is always active. There's no such thing as a passive waiting. We, we always do what we can do. It's all, biblical waiting is always an active waiting. But sometimes we have to do things in engaging or refraining. You know, sometimes engagement is what we do. Sometimes restraint is what we do. But that's still an active thing um, that we have to do in, in our closeness to God and in our waiting on God to answer our prayers. Um, but David absolutely restrains himself from acting. So he prays and does. In that, But the, the primary thing that we need to do is is just draw near to God. And there are several ways. We talk a lot about the disciplines. Prayer is one of them. Uh, fasting is a means of drawing close to God. Worship is a thing that we're going to see David do here in just a moment. But also uh, being in the Word. David talks a lot about meditating on God's Word and memorizing Scripture, meditating on Scripture just uh, all throughout the night, all throughout the day. David is in the Word and loves the Word. Because he loves God. So prayer matters. Proximity matters in more ways than just prayer. And we see also that praise matters. Um, Notice David doesn't wait till it's all over to start praising God. Okay, he started in the middle of it because we see things, um, you know, for one, he's praising God in verses two and three where he's recounting exactly what God's going to do. He knows God is going to come through for him. Then in verse 5, he gets to saying, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. But then he goes back to talking about the net that they set for him, the the pit that they dug for him, and all these things that were still the case. In some ways, it's similar to Paul and Silas when they're in prison. You know, they're in prison. They're fastened in the stocks. and, And they don't just sit there moping about it. They don't. I would imagine at some point they did pray about it and ask God to set them free. But they say, you know what, we're just going to start praising God. And they just start singing and praising God, and then God works an amazing rescue for them. So praise in the middle of it, in anticipation. Believing that God is going to work out this thing, no matter what hard time you're having, don't wait till God does something to praise him for it. You can praise him even before it's over. I mean, that's what David was doing with such confidence, saying God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. God fulfills his purpose to me. He will send from heaven and save me. And you can take that confidence and just turn it right into praise and glorifying God for what he does. You can also just praise God for his goodness. It doesn't even have to be in response to anything. Just when you know you need God, just start worshiping him. Because that's a a powerful thing that we can do, is to acknowledge God in his goodness. If nothing else, it shows the enemy that whatever he's doing to our circumstances is not going to actually have an impact on us. He can change our circumstances, but he has no power to change us. None. He can't do that. All he can do is try to tempt us to act out of selfish reasons or whatever whatever it may be, but we don't have to. And when we start glorifying God for his goodness, it reminds him that we belong to the Lord and we're sticking with the Lord. But then praise him even more when it's over. When the storm does pass by, when the trial's over, the problem's been dealt with, praise God and, and praise him ridiculously. I mean, over the top, exuberant, joyful, ecstatically, and, and I know some of us, you know, I'm, I'm not the most expressive person, um, but we still have to have moments where we just let it go and glorify God for how good he is and what he's done. I mean, look at what David is saying, I mean, and we know, you know, David was dancing in his underwear and, you know, several other things that not all of us are going to do, nor should we. But David, I mean, look at this. He says, I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. David is up before the sun rises, praising God, saying, I'm gonna wake up the dawn. I will give thanks to you among the peoples. I will praise you among the nations. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. This is he's gonna do this in front of the nations. This isn't something he's going to keep quiet, and nor should we. There's something powerful about sharing our testimony and the praises of what God has done, and we should absolutely do that. Why would we ever want to just keep it to ourselves? The amazing things that God has done. And I don't care what it is. I mean, and, and you're not necessarily going to share everything with everybody. Um, some things that God works in your life, maybe you're of a very personal or private nature that you, you really don't want to share on a large scale. That's fine. But you need to find somebody that you can confide in and say, look what God has done. Why wouldn't we? You know, we love him, and and we want others to rejoice in his goodness. And that includes any of those areas of our life where he's brought us victory uh, that maybe we didn't anticipate, or maybe it's something that, you know, but we just need to share it. We need to get the word out and let people know that God has done amazing things in our life. So another wonderful psalm of David where he displays some amazing patience, Uh, in the midst of his problems, while he waited on God. But again, he waited actively, actively restraining himself, but drawing near to God, being close to God, praying to God, praising God. And God gave him the patience he needed. He saw him through it. And if you know David's life, that wasn't the last time God saw him through. There was another time uh, that he could have done the same thing and taken Saul's life, but he didn't. He continued to wait, uh, actively wait on the Lord to deal with it as he saw fit. So when these things come, be patient. Trust in the Lord through prayer, through closeness to him, through praise and worship. And I promise, just as David said, God will send from the heavens and he will rescue his people. Thanks for listening to our Wednesday night teaching podcast brought to you by Grace Point Community Church in Decatur, Georgia. For more about our church, please visit yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Until next time, God bless you.